Today's episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast and the Ringer NFL Show is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents that you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Football podcast on the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined as always by my co-host and my co-Danny, the hero we need, the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny Kelly. (laughs) What is on your mind, DK? Oh man, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. How are you doing? I'm doing splendid. Fantastic. Exuberant. What was the word Craig taught us two weeks ago? Ebullient. That one. Don't know what it means, but that. How are you doing, Craig? <laughs> I'm pretty good. Even though I kind of faded Leonard Fournette, he was still pretty good. So I kind of won both ways. So I'm feeling pretty solid. It's a real so your movie, fence you. sitting is working out, Craig. Yes, it is. Cowardly hedge from Craig last week, and he's <laughs> proud of it, which is somehow worse. Uh, well, you, I mean, I'm glad that you can mention Leonard Fournette first on the show. Thank you. Uh, Lenny Forns. Lenny Forns. We love Lenny Forns here. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into what's of the week, which yeah. the things that made us go what? This week. It was the fourth quarter of the Rams game when I looked at Jared Goff and he had 52 passing yards. Dude, what the? (laughs) So Jared Goff finished with 78 passing yards. Worth noting, Sam Darnold had a 92-yard pass on Sunday. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, Jared Goff paid a lot of money this offseason, $134 million, which is almost twice of 78. Not good (laughs) for Jared Goff. (laughs) Or great. Think about how much he's making per yard. <laughs> one one point one fantasy points on Sunday. Is that plural or no? Hmm. One point one. It's one point one fantasy point. Because <laughs> you're rounding yeah, down. One point one points. I want to add some context to this performance, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, per Pro Football Reference, quarterbacks this decade with twenty four plus pass attempts and less than eighty yards passing in a game. Ryan Lindley in 2012. San Diego um, State alum. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Ryan Lindley? The way that I remember Ryan Lindley, and this is nothing, you know, it's not saying anything about who he is as a person, TBT. but he's pretty much roundly considered the worst starter of all time in the NFL. What about Nathan Peterman? <laughs> Actually, Peterman might have overtaken him, but he's still in the NFL, but Lindley so we'll was see. A, all right, so who, who else is the list? So it's Goff, Ryan right, Lindley. so it's Goff, Ryan Lindley, and then Charlie Whitehurst. <laughs> Touchdown Jesus himself, clipboard Jesus, or whatever you want to call him, in 2014. Who else? Of my beloved Seahawks. And so, yeah, that's the three of them. Goff. Wait, that's the list? <laughs> Goff, Lindley, and Whitehurst. So is that 24 attempts and less than 80 yards? Lindley might be passing oh off God. some of his knowledge to Baker Mayfield because he's the quarterback's coach for the Browns. Oh, wow. Good for him. Or bad for Baker. So, Jared so Goff. We've, we've found the culprit. Yeah. Uh, I just want to mention, I mean, the Rams, I mean, there's been a lot written, and there will be more when they miss the playoffs about how bad the Rams have been. I mean, real quick, the Patriots destroyed them in the Super Bowl, and they really unmasked their offensive line. Um, John Sullivan retired after the game. He was their center. And Andrew Whitworth, who's their left tackle, who is 37 years old, has not been the same since. He's getting bull rushed. I mean, there was that video going around of Nick Bosa driving him past oh, yeah. Jared Goff. And then their left guard, Joseph Noteboom, who was not playing well this season, was carted off with an injury. The Rams' offensive line has disintegrated. Um, and obviously, Todd Gurley was out, too, and he has his own injury history, but their offensive line is just falling apart, and Goff is not good under pressure. So I don't think this is going to change. 
Yeah, their whole offense is kind of just, and this speaks to how many things need to go right for an offense to to function, and how many things can go wrong at the same well, time. A, I mean, yes, but also Jared Goff specifically. I think that right. there's the how many things need to go right for Jared Goff to function, and like the I mean, two years yeah. he was better in McVay's system. It's worth pointing out that was the healthiest offense in football for two years in a row. He's, I mean, he's being paid like a guy who can transcend a bad offensive line, but he's not doing that. He's what's the opposite of transcending, descending, whatever the opposite of trans, trans <laughs> gone backwards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other person who is, uh, I'm not comparing Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes, but the other what of the week for me: 41 passing yards for Patrick Mahomes in the second half against the Texans. We thought this would mm. be a shootout. It was just a shoot in. I don't know. One team was shooting. It was the Chiefs. But, but it's not at all like Goff. What happened was Mahomes looked really good, and then he aggravated that ankle injury in the second quarter. Uh, yeah, he got hit. what I was afraid of. was yeah. not the same. So really instructive piece to this. Mahomes started the game. He went completed 10 of his first 16 pass attempts for 189 yards and two touchdowns. But then he completed nine of his next 19 for 84 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. The ankle injury was so apparent. With I mean, those numbers also so apparent. If you were watching the game, uh, he just started hobbling. He started limping around. Uh, mm-hmm. This is now two weeks in a row where he heard it originally in week one, but two weeks in a row now it's been aggravated mid game, which you know really undoes a lot of the, you know, therapy and rest you're giving it during the week. And he just hasn't looked the same. And the Chiefs could not get a pass rush, could not stop the run, and they couldn't hold on to the ball because the Houston had the ball for forty minutes in this game. They had the ball more in the second half than the Chiefs had the ball in the whole game. And it's basically the same game plan the Colts used last week where there's it, it really it's back to the AFC championship game. The Chiefs ended their season last year with Mahomes watching on the sideline and the defense couldn't get him the ball. And now we're just they spent the whole offseason. They got Frank Clark instead of D Ford. They got Tyron Matthew. They fired the defensive coordinator, Bob Sutton, hired Steve Spagnolo. And they're right back here. They can't get Patrick Mahomes. The it's ball. just the NFL filibuster. You just never stop. <laughs> Can we go yeah. call the Chiefs? Philip Craig's so proud of that joke. <laughs> no, I'm the not. filibuster. <laughs> you are. Oh wow! Look at he's beaming. He's no, so. No, I'm I not. Like, no, I'm not. No, that's filibuster. <laughs> I like that. Wait. So let's spin uh, this into a fantasy perspective. What do we think now about the Rams and the Chiefs? The Chiefs. I. You know, I don't think there's much to take away there, but I think the Rams are a much more interesting conversation. Yeah, I think it's, it lowers the ceiling of Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup. I mean, Cooper Cup is still. I think going to be a pretty safe fantasy option just based on the fact that Jared Goff is not passing it deep anymore. But I think it does hurt Cooks and, and Woods by extension, just the fact that their offense has not been nearly as good. So I saw this stat today on Twitter, per sharp football's Rich, Re- Rich Rebar. Uh, Jared Goff has completed just 30% of his pass attempts of 15 plus yards, which is ahead of only Josh Rosen and Daniel Jones so far among qualifying quarterbacks. So his deep passing has completely fallen off the map. And obviously, we know that he's turned the ball over a bunch. He's got 14 touchdowns, 15 interceptions in the last um, 14 games, plus a bunch of fumbles, I think 12 or 13 fumbles in that stretch. So it's just, I mean, it definitely hurts the bottom line for those those two receivers particularly. The Chiefs part of this in terms of how this goes, because obviously, you know, a big part of fantasy is you want to target good offenses. Here are two good offenses we thought were going to be good, two of the best ones last year, that are just really bad so far. And now... Different reasons. Mahomes being hobbled changes things. Their defense can't hold the ball. But what that does when the Chiefs' defense can't get off the field, Kansas City had 11 rushing attempts. Eight of them were to Sean McCoy. Damian Williams touched the ball twice, yeah. which was wild. Darrell Williams also touched the ball twice. McCoy, eight carries. I, I, 
the Chiefs running back as a whole person, as one person, is so valuable. But then you split it four ways, and the Chiefs offense isn't the Chiefs offense anymore. And it's just, it's an actual cluster. I'm trying to curse less because my grandma listens. So the Chiefs are playing the Broncos (laughs) on Thursday night. What Chiefs running backs are you starting? So the Broncos' defense was garbage fired the first two weeks, and they're picking up now. So Von Miller and Bra- well, Bradley Chubb's hurt, but Von Miller looks like Von Miller again. The Broncos' D is a little better, and the more most important, their secondary is better because Kareem Jackson. I mean, I think he had a pick um, this week. Uh, Chris Harris had a really good game. He's their slot corner, probably the best slot cornerback in football. The Broncos' D is doing better. Short weeks are always weird. I don't know about you, DK. My gut, on, as a general rule of thumb, on Thursdays, just roll with the better coaching staff because ultimately, it's about health because he's got the players have a short week and it's coaches preparing with like three days less than they normally do yeah but do you feel confident enough to start like if you've got mccoy do you feel confident enough to start him or if you have uh damian williams i know i i'm i'm guessing darrell williams is probably off the fantasy map for a while i feel yeah darrell williams farewell i feel confident with mccoy because i think that he got benched uh, last week because he fumbled Mm. and i think that if you look at the last month which is three games where he got a lot of snaps and then one game where he fumbled and basically just did not go on the field again. It's not about the usage. It's he clearly seems to be the person who, especially when Mahomes is hobbled, they seem to trust the most in pass protection. Whether that's because Damian Williams missed time and he wasn't practicing, I don't know. But if it's a short week, I don't think it's going to change. I think if they want Mahomes healthy, you got to protect him. Kevin Clark has been beating this drum and that means they seem to clearly think LaShawn McCoy is the best grip on their pass protections. So I think he's going to be on the field. DK, do you think there's a Ram that you can sit, maybe a receiver on the Rams that you can sit going forward, or do you still have to start all three? <sighs> That's really tough. Because, I mean, if you look, the the Rams, Jared Goff in particular, had thrown the ball 117 times for 912 yards and three touchdowns in the two games prior to this one. So they're not going to be playing San Francisco every week, which is clearly a big deal because San Francisco's defense is... Elite. I mean, it looks like one of the best two defenses in the NFL right now. So, is somebody like Robert Woods a matchup based play? <sighs> I, I don't. I, I still have a hard time benching either of those guys. To be honest, I, I, I you know, I have to. I feel like I still have to see the sample grow a little bit. Um, Goff is clearly going, clearly going in the wrong direction, um, but it's still difficult for me to bench either of those guys. It's just, I think you just have to look at them with like as like wide receiver twos, clear wide receiver twos, instead of. You know, potentially like Woods being a high, like a, a wide receiver one. Um, I just don't think that's necessarily in the cards. Jared Goff is the is seventh right now in passing yards in the NFL. He is the seventeenth fantasy quarterback. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you start throwing like sixty eight attempts in one game against Tampa Bay. Is your overall <laughs> numbers look sick, but it's like you had to throw sixty eight goddamn passes to get there. It's, it's not it's not impressive to throw passes. He might be a wait and see guy that you're not starting for much longer. The important takeaway from this conversation is the Rams are not out of the Robert Woods yet, and neither is DK. Okay. Now look who's proud. <laughs> Let's get to next man up. Um, yes, I am proud. Of- Let's get to next man up. Uh, injuries happen every week, and we're going to look at the people who got hurt, the notable fantasy players, and the people who might fill in for them. Uh, number one, I think the mo- most prominent name from this week is Amari Cooper, receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. Try to make it like a diving catch along the sideline uh, against the Jets. Kind of landed weirdly on his hip or so, but it was described as a quad injury. Uh, he left after just one catch for three yards, but Dallas' re- leading receiver in this game, uh, obviously Cooper left, was Tavon Austin. Yeah, where, where the hell did that day. come from? <laughs> the, that was so random. I mean, fun fact, the my soul 
a part of it died when last year the Giants gave up a long <laughs> touchdown to Tavon Austin. That was his first in literal years. Yeah. But anyway, we'll see how much time Amari Cooper misses. But his absence affects a lot more than just Amari Cooper and people have Cooper because the Cowboys really in the Dak Prescott era have sank. I mean, the numbers are like without Ezekiel Elliott. Really, the numbers are without Tyrone Smith. He's played terribly. And without Amari yeah. Cooper. And the on-off splits, if you will, to with those players is night and day. Smith didn't yeah. play this week. Neither did right tackle L. Collins. So they were without both tackles against the Jets. Um, we'll see whether any of those players this week and Amari Cooper comes back. But it really affects Prescott. It affects Michael Gallup, who's behind him, who is much better as a complementary piece than a primary one. It affects Ezekiel Elliott, because if they're not winning the game, then they're not going to be rushing as much in the second half. And the Cowboys are having a really tough schedule coming up. Eagles, bye week. Giants, Vikings, Lions, Patriots, Bills, Bears, Rams, Eagles. That's their fantasy schedule through week 16. Uh, Cowboys just lost to the Jets 22-24. So, you know... You can try to pick up Randall Cobb. Devin Smith is the deep threat. DK, would you do anything here, or is it more just the Cowboys' offense is not going to be good if Cooper, especially Tyron Smith, is out? I think if there's anything to do in this scenario, Cobb might be an option. Of course, he missed this week with a back injury, so you just have to monitor his situation. But I think, yeah, I mean, it's just you downgrade the entire you know Cowboys' offense, passing game in particular, um, but I think, yeah, Cobb could be a potential option to pick up a little bit more volume. Obviously, I think it's a boost for Gallup if if Cooper misses time. Um, but I don't feel super confident in, like, picking up Devin Smith. He was inactive no. this week. Um, I'm not going to go for betting on Tavon Austin being a thing again. Um, so, yeah, I think there's not a huge amount of action items in this. I'd say Cobb, if he's out on the waiver wire, it could be a look. Another person, this is another player who... Left big name. James Conner, running back for the Steelers. Uh, he had an incredible game, unlike Cooper. Left the, yeah, he looked real good. Cooper left the catch in uh, three yards. Conner did not play the fourth quarter. Still had, going into Monday night, the most fantasy points among all running backs with 31 PPR. Seven catches for 78 yards. Uh, plus he had, oh, I lost the carries. He had a lot of points. That's the point. <laughs> 31 PPR points. Uh, but he left the game with a quad injury. The Steelers are on bye this week, so we don't know how serious this is. We do not yet know whether he's going to be mm-hmm. suiting up uh, the following week, but his backup, Jalen Samuels, is out too. So Benny Snell Jr. is the player you want if Connor misses any time, even one game. You want to have Benny Snell Jr. in your lineup. Snell had 17 carries for 75 yards, actually more than Connor. Connor had 16 carries uh, on Sunday night against the Chargers as Benny Snell iced the fourth quarter. He also had a catch for 14 yards. Uh, the Chargers could not tackle in this game, which is neither here nor there. Also, James Conner seems like one of the hardest running backs to tackle. He was really good, man. He, yeah, he was breaking a lot of tackles. You're a Steelers fan. I'm a Giants fan. You're DK's a Seahawks fan. And of the three teams, he's the easiest to tackle of the three teams that we root for. What? I can't wait for Le'Veon Snell references next week when Snell has a good game. <laughs> no one was going to do that. Someone's going to no do it. No one was going to do that. Okay, maybe I saw it. it. I saw the point it is you should add Benny Snell if Connor's injury is at all serious. Samuels will be back. I think he was supposed to miss about four weeks. Hmm. And, and after that, um, I think Snell's value goes down I would sell James Conner off this game if you watched it. The Chargers could not tackle. I don't know. That he's was been pretty not... good for three straight weeks now, and he's like the true focal point of the offense. I They're think getting him involved if, in the passing attack, too, though. That's if important. Devin Hodges, like— Devlin. Devlin? No, if, you know what? I, whatever. Like, the point <laughs> is, if this duck caller dude—he goes by duck, okay? If the go. duck caller guy just has a bad month, and Mason Rudolph comes back, and he's not great either, and James Conner isn't great, you're going to like, wow, 
could have sold high off that Sunday night football with Duck Hodges shredded. I'm using air quotes because he had like no pass. He had no pass completions over 10 yards last night. <laughs> and the Chargers still decided, even though, again, no completions over 10 yards. The Chargers decided to let him check down to Connor, who is essentially uncovered for this entire game instead of, you know, covering James Connor. I wouldn't, this is not a, I do not think this performance is a harbinger of what is to come for the Steelers offense. It was a perfect situation for them. They got two turnovers off the bat. I would sell them if you can convince anyone. Yeah, but who's going to buy James Conner at this point? I feel like. I don't know. Someone wants a running back. That's not, that's not my problem. And he's on buy. (laughs) Yeah. He's fine. Another person who's fine. Alvin Kamara running back from the New Orleans Saints. He tweaked his ankle in practice last week, played through it, left the game briefly but returned, finished with 11 carries for 31 yards against the Jaguars, also had seven catches for 35 yards. He's probably good to go this week, uh, just like last. How healthy he is, we will see. But they're playing the Bears, so it's already a bad matchup. He's already not healthy, so it's definitely worth keeping track of whether he's a full participant at practice throughout this week. Yeah. Um, if he's out, Latavius Murray is a start option, although, again, not a great matchup versus the Bears. So... Although Josh Jacobs did just play extremely well against them in London, but yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think Murray, if if they're going into the game and Kamara has been really limited in practice and stuff, I think Murray, even if Kamara is going to play, potentially becomes startable again, just because I think that they'll probably try and, you know, do the the snap, the workload 50-50, closer, closer to 50-50 this week if he's kind of limited and stuff like that. So um, we've seen Kamara like dominate snaps and, and carries in the workload over the last few weeks, but this week it was a little more 50-50. So um, that's that's the thing going forward. Like monitor the injury report, and, and Murray could potentially be worth like plugging into a flex spot this week. Only Classic f- load management. It's like, you know, when Kawhi is sitting for the Raptors last year, you got to add Fred Van Vliet. You know what I mean? Latavius is only 47% owned. So there you go. Oh, there you go. Check the right. league. Next up, Will Disley. This one's hurts. I'm sorry, DK. Tight end <sighs> for the Seattle Seahawks. Injured on a non-contact play. Belief is a torn left Achilles. Last year, he missed all but four games last year with a, a torn right patellar injury to his knee. It's like so two of a, the worst injuries that you can suffer. To yeah. both legs. Um, Seattle traded away tight end Nick Vanette to Pittsburgh earlier this year. Disley was the fifth best tight end by total PPR points this year. Sixth best by points per game. Um, Seahawks beat the Browns 32-28, to 28, but lost their emerging tight ends. So, DK, does this hurt you right in the feels? It, yeah, that sucks. Because he was looking really... Like, he had a very good chemistry and connection with Russell Wilson that was like Russell Wilson's guy you know he's way more dynamic than anyone thought he would be as a pass catcher I don't necessarily think there's really an action item here I mean keep an eye on Luke Wilson potentially um we'll talk about this more but the tight end the tight end position is pretty weak right now so he's you know potentially a guy to keep in mind but um I don't think I don't think there's gonna be like a one-to-one comparison the way that they use him keep an eye on Luke Wilson is so bleak <laughs> I know, Wasn't right? he in Hard Knocks? Didn't doesn't he have like a boat that he's just riding around with his dad on? He mm-hmm. looked really happy. Luke Wilson's awesome. Off, like just you know, not necessarily fantasy wise, but he's just <laughs> not awesome. on football. But like in life, <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. He's uh, just cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, other injuries. Emmanuel Sanders, receiver for the Denver Broncos. He left the game with a knee injury. Did not return. Uh, he's expected to be fine for Thursday Night Football by all reports. Uh, they're playing the Chiefs on Thursday, so really the short week is the main reason we'd even bring him up because it really seems like he's fine. So, yeah, Manuel, fine, going to play Thursday. Other quick news, Saquon Barkley and Evan Engram, uh running back and tight end for the Giants. They both practice on Monday. Saquon's recovering from that ankle sprain. Evan Engram was a 
surprising midweek injury and ended up missing the mm-hmm. Thursday night football. But they practiced. We'll see whether they play. And then Sterling Shepard, receiver who had his second concussion of the year two weeks ago, took part in drills, which is a step forward. Also, not the same as participating in practice, to be clear. And then pass receiver Nikhil Harry, first-round pick, resumed practicing this week. That's Phillip, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Philip Dorsett tweaked his hamstring. Um, so Nikhil Harry's return is timely for the Patriots. And then they also uh, had an injury to their tight end, Jacob Lacoste. And Matt Josh, Lacoste. And Josh Gordon. I don't remember. Lacoste. I always wonder if he's on the team because Belichick likes lacrosse. But they added <laughs> Ben probably. Watson to replace him, like, you know, a few days after they cut him. So cold world and then a world one in New England. And then Mason Rudolph, quarterback for the Steelers, may return in week eight from his concussion. Again, the Steelers are on a bye, but we'll see whether Dev- Devin, Devlin Hodges, Duck Hodges, <laughs> and Mason Rudolph will com- compete for a week eight quarterback battle in Steelers. Well done. Thank you. All right, let's take a quick break. Pepsi takes all NFL celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown, a defensive stop on the goal line, or a Super Bowl win, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Fantasy football requires a lot of celebration. You picked up Darren Fells, and he has more receiving yards than DeAndre Hopkins who you're playing against? Time to crack open a Pepsi. Got Evan Engram, scores a long touchdown coming out at halftime against the Buccaneers. You cheer for Daniel Jones, and you cheer for our football team, because Craig and I have Evan Engram. And we crack open a Pepsi. When you see the Seattle Seahawks celebrating with Bye Bye Bye, then you can celebrate too if you have Tyler Lockett. And you can crack open a Pepsi. Or four. If Marquez Valdez-Scantling can outdo Aaron Rodgers and Kenny Galladay tonight on Monday Night Football by 37.4 points, Craig and I will be cracking Pepsis to celebrate. And when the Patriots defense gets a punt block touchdown because the ball careens off the helmet of a Giants blocker, lands in the arms of Chase Winovich, who returns it for a touchdown, I was sad because I knew the Giants would lose, but I was happy because we have the Patriots defense. Pepsi. When it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, the official sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating. All righty, let's run through some categories. First up, deceiving yards. Guys who are fool's gold, who is not fool's gold, DK. What's a deceiving or not so deceiving stat line from this week? I think running back Adrian Peterson and the Redskins is ultimately going to be ending, ending up looking like fool's gold before too long here. Um, it was obviously a good thing um, for Peterson that Jay Gruden was fired and Bill Callahan was hired. Callahan is uh, an old school offensive line coach, immediately talked about how they needed to rededicate themselves to the run. So you know, you knew going into this Miami game that Peterson was going to get a heavy workload. Well, but him and, and Jay Gruden got- really seemed to publicly spar in a way that players and veterans <laughs> don't or veterans and coaches just don't Jay Gruden yeah. was so annoyed and just implied that Peterson can't play in the passing game yeah that was yeah that was like a very pointed comment it was so, very I'm, pointed yeah um so the the coaching change overall seems like a good thing for Peterson he rushed for 23 he rushed 23 times for a season high 118 yards he added two catches for 18 yards um again though this was against the Dolphins so the game script was in his favor, certainly. And I'm not buying that happening going forward, at least in the very short term. Um, Peterson is, I don't think he's going to be as big of a factor. The 
the Redskins have really tough matchups coming up against San Francisco at Minnesota and then at Buffalo. Three very good defenses. Uh, I could see the Redskins falling behind in those games pretty early. And so I just can't see him getting like 20, 25 carries in games like that. Maybe the Minnesota one, if it's like a really like heavy run game, maybe the Buffalo one. But Buffalo's front is so good, I just can't see him getting much traction. So bottom line is, if you got Peterson, you can try and sell him high at this point. I'm guessing you probably won't get many takers. Um, but yeah, I, I really down the stretch, I just don't have a whole lot of hope for Peterson becoming like a regular starter at running back down the stretch. I mean, they got the Jets in week 11, which is a potential for him to you know plug him in there. But then they got Detroit week 12, at Carolina at week 13, at Green Bay week 14, against Philly week 15. Philly's pass defense is terrible, but their run defense is really good. And then week 16, I guess if you want to circle that, they got the Giants. I mean, you're just throwing out these team names. It, it's crazy. I mean, 49ers, Vikings, Bills, Lions. Carolina. Those are those are you know four of the best six defensive lines in all of football. Yeah, so it's <laughs> that's really they're, concerning. Yeah, and their Washington- schedule does not line up well with Peterson like having a strong finish to the season, in my opinion. And yeah, and that's assuming Dwayne Haskins doesn't come in to be some sacrificial lamb at some point in the next few weeks. So <laughs> I like this call, DK. So maybe maybe Chris Thompson's the guy to own in that backfield. I think. I don't think there's. I think that the, every maybe year, just avoid it. Every year there's three <laughs> or so teams that you just there is no answer and yeah. there's not any amount of volume worth it. The Dolphins are one. I think Washington is the other, yep. and we will get a third as the season wears on. The Rams, except for McLaurin. Rams, except for my the man Rams. McLaurin. There we go. Rams, Dolphins, Washington. All right. Next category: the guy you're not supposed to worry about. We're swapping it out this week. This is the position you're not supposed to worry about. Because tight end is worrying everyone. DK, have you seen all the anxiety about tight end position on the yeah, interwebs this week? I have. It, you know, obviously with OJ Howard being a major bust this season and then Disley going down last week, or I should say this week on Sunday, uh, it's just looking really, really grim at the tight end position. I feel like people are really down on it. I know I feel pretty terrible about it. In, in a few of my leagues, it's kind of dire straight. So uh, what do you think? Do you think it's as bad as I think people perceive it is so far? So I was really interested because I saw all this, I mean, for lack of a better word, complaining about the tight end position. So I went <laughs> right. back and I looked and I averaged the last, since 2015, the top mm-hmm. players at the position. I Kind of simple. I just took what was the total amount of PPR points from the top eight tight ends and the top 12 tight ends from the last, since 2015, last five seasons through six mm-hmm. weeks. You know what the numbers say? What? Everyone's whining. It's fine. That's what they say. So the average, Or it's so, just as bad as ever, I guess, well, is what you're saying? Well, it's bad as ever, but it's the same. It's, <laughs> we know the tight end's not great, but it's the same not great. Same as it ever was. It's if you, the top eight uh, tight ends through six weeks, their average PPR total, if you combine all of them from 2015 to 2019, is 643. That's how many points the top eight guys will combine for in a given season. Mm. This year, 643. This year, it's 667. It's more. Mm. It's higher than average. If you average <laughs> the top 12 tight ends in PPR, you take all the top t- uh, 12 tight ends, you add their PPR points together, and then you do that for the last five years, you average them, 871 points. This year, it's 887. Mm. So you're really like, I think the difference, and I think why maybe we feel it, is there's a little more acute because Travis Kelsey hasn't blown up, and some people th- say he was a first-rounder. George Kittle has not been as productive in the end zone as we thought he'd be, even though his yards yeah. per route run are very yeah. good in pro football focus and his underlying numbers are very good. And O.J. Howard 
ghosted like the NFL, not even fantasy. It's just not, <laughs> it's unbelievable. So I think right. it's worth, we're going to break down. So just that's the caveat to all this is that there's a lot of panic at the position. It's, it's, it's still, it's bad, but it's the same bad it's always been. Having said that, we're going to help because unless you have Austin Hooper, who's fifth in the league in receptions, eighth in receiving yards, that's not among tight ends, that it's total. He's lapping Julio Jones on his own team. Wow. Um, he's the tight end one. He's the tight end one. So if you have Hooper, Mark Andrews, Kelsey, Evan Engram, congrats. You're probably doing very well in your league. But for everyone else, we're going to run through a couple solutions to this. First up, <laughs> Hunter Henry, eight catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday. I think he came back, back from his injury a lot quicker than people thought. He's owned 63% on Yahoo, 50-ish percent on ESPN. And if he's crazy. a free agent in your league, I would commit light treason to acquire him. Sneakily came back. I feel like nobody knew he was playing in this Sneakily game. Sneakily came right. back. Well, maybe it's because everyone, maybe it's because there's no Chargers fans and they were just, <laughs> maybe like the 2% of Chargers fans at that Steelers game were screaming it from their lungs, but nobody heard them. They all they had were, him fired up in their lineups. But yeah, they were singing else. Renegades so loud this that no one heard Hunter like Henry. It just feels like a low blow for all the, for the, for all the remaining Chargers fans. But, but him yeah. returning to this form is potentially a league changing move for your fantasy league if you have him on your team. Yeah. I mean, he immediately looks like a top five tight end. I would do anything to acquire him if he's on your waivers, but if he's on a team and owned, he's probably not a good week to trade for him. So, assuming you cannot get Hunter Henry for free, uh, the person I would target is Chris Herndon, the tight end for the Jets. He was suspended for the first four games of the year, but the Jets had a week four bye. So he wasn't set to return till week six, which is this week, but he hurt his hamstring, missed yeah. this week, might miss week seven against the Patriots. So why would you want a guy who isn't going to be able to play until halfway through the year? He's still worth adding. I, I, I'm serious. The Jets offense mm. is clearly worlds better with Sam Darnold. So anyone who hasn't seen that yet, like it is so true. Herndon's only owned in 18% of ESPN leagues. He would have been a very trendy sleeper if he was not suspended to start the year. He's six foot four, 253 pounds. He was the Jets' fourth rounder last year. He had 502 yards and four touchdowns as a rookie. Uh, that's good numbers for really a rookie good tight numbers. end. Really yeah. hard position to adjust to in the NFL. He has a good rapport with Darnold. We so, I, we know that the power of chemistry between Darnold and Jameson Crowder and <laughs> Herndon and Darnold might have the best chemistry after Jamison Crowder. So the reality is streaming tight ends suck. Like it's the worst. If yeah. you don't have one of those eight guys who you can plug in every week, it just sucks to decide if you should like, do you hold on to Jason Witten? Or do you think that like, oh, Darren Fell scored a touchdown two weeks ago. So like, should I add him or <laughs> like, if you don't have one of those eight guys, it's just, yeah. it's the, it's so annoying because it's a hard problem, but it's also the least fun problem you could possibly have in fantasy. And Chris Herndon, of all the available tight ends, is the only real person on waivers right now who actually might join the top eight. The rest are like high-end streaming options. Herndon might be a guy who could just be a top 10 tight end going forward, and that's worth it. It's worth holding on for a week or two if you could just not have to spend the month of November, December looking for tight ends. The, a sign of how bad and bleak the bottom of the, I think it's the bottom of the tight end ones is where everybody gets panicked because yeah. I, I think the names just look worse this year than they have in the past. Right now, the tight end 12, which means they are technically a tight end one, is Darren Fells, and he is 4% owned in Yahoo. And he is a <laughs> tight end one. First of all, tight end one, let, let's settle this right. 10 team leagues are standard. Get out of here with 12 team team bias. False, false. Excuse me? No, who plays 10-team leagues? Come That's on. That's literally the standard on ESPN and Yahoo. Which are the I have what zero 10-team leagues. You're How a fantasy I? football expert, DK. We hold you to a higher standard. 12, for the 12, 10-team leagues are like the easy mode. Come on. 
Wow, you were just shit talking our entire audience right now. Oh my god! <laughs> or not? Or maybe our audience is full of twelve teamers. We'll I, find out. Sophisticated. We're gonna find out one way or the other. <laughs> well, I'm going by the standard fantasy ranking from all time, which is ten. Okay, the tight end ten is Monday Night Football's Jason Witten. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's a cowboy now. He's retired from Monday Night Football. Um, <laughs> but first of all, I do want to on Darren Fells. I know he's kind of a joke, but. The Texans are using tight ends way more, and their offensive coordinator used to be their tight ends coach, and they used to not throw to tight ends. Now their tight ends are running more routes, so might not be a fluke. That Fels might be. Fels has double digits in PPR. He has double digit points in three of the I mean, last four. That weeks. might be what happened when you promote your tight ends coach to your offensive coordinator. And Jordan Aikens, the other tight end in the team, has only scored three less points than Darren Fels. I like Fels more than Aikens because Aikens had like a couple, like his first two career touchdowns. They came in the same game. Fels had two touchdowns, but he's just been more. Reliable. I think technically, Aiken, I think technically, Aikens is the number one tight end. But if you watch the games, like Fells just seems. I mean, he's thirty three, and Aikens is like twenty four, and I think that is apparent with how he gets open. Um, yeah. Wait, I, I can't believe the DK. You think ten teams leagues are weak? Wow. I don't think they're weak. I just don't play them. I'm, I'm <laughs> only twelve team leagues. That's like that's how my brain works. It's like. I don't really do, I have a few standard scoring leagues, but I very much prefer PPR and I very much prefer 12 team leagues. It's just like how my brain works. Well, we all know how I feel about PPR. Also, so I, I have friends in my current league who are both looking to sell Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey. I do not recommend that to anybody who owns them. Zach Ertz is number one amongst tight ends and targets right now, and he's going to regress positively. So I would definitely hold on to him and Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Um, I would not trade Kelsey. No, he's on pace to. Well, he's, yeah, he's on pace to put up only eleven less receiving yards than he did last year. It's the touchdowns that are, are lowering his totals, which are known to touchdowns come regress. back. Touchdowns yes. come. It's a fancy word for it shit comes around. Yes. <laughs> so hold on to comes and Kelsey. Don't panic. Yeah, and I there on that go. note, there the Kittle, go. the underlying numbers for George Kittle are. I know that I'm just saying this over and over, but George Kittle is. I I, I believe you can change how you what you set to qualifying um, for tight ends so you can kind of a moving target. But he his yards per rat run, which is among the stickiest of stats, like most predictive, is so... It's it's two plus yards per rat run, which is so good. He is so much... Under, the underlying numbers say Kittle will be fine, and I'm sticking with it. Oh, yeah. And they used oh, him yeah. as a fullback when Kyle... Uh, I can't pronounce it. Use check. Use check? Yeah. They used mm-hmm. him as a fullback for portions. Kittle will he's be fine. Versa- he's a versatile player. All right. Let's go to what's on streaming for all you cord cutters out there. DK, got any streaming advice? Yeah, so I think a theme from this week was uh, the Konami code, the the rushing sort of loophole for quarterbacks paid off for a lot of guys. Um, pending Monday Night Football, four of the top five and seven of the top 12 scoring fantasy quarterbacks this week either had 30-plus rushing yards or a rushing score or both. Um, so it's just a really nice way to add a little bit to the bottom line of passing offense or of the passing scoring um, that quarterbacks get every week. And yeah, I just, there's a couple guys I think that have some good rushing floors that are good potential streamers going forward this week. Daniel Jones of the Giants. Yeah. He's owned, yeah. 29% owned. He's obviously had a few rough outings as a passer the it's last insane that weeks, 71% of Americans don't recognize the best quarterback in football <laughs> when they see it. He's had a couple of really tough matchups. He played Minnesota and New England. Um, didn't do a whole lot in those two games, but going against the Cardinals this week is a chance for him to kind of get back you know, on the map, get back going fantasy-wise. Um, Arizona just gave up 
350 yards and four touchdowns to Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, they're they're probably the worst. Yeah, they are giving up the most fantasy points quarterbacks through six weeks, so that's a great um, matchup for him. I think he has a solid floor as a rusher. The, it, it's kind of easy to forget, but against Tampa Bay, he had four carries, 28 yards, and two touchdowns. Against Washington, he tacked on 33 yards on five scrambles. Um, you know, those three extra, like three extra points is nice. I'll take that for a quarterback who can also, you know, he also brings the potential to pass like two touchdowns. So um, I think that's a great streaming option if you're looking for a quarterback this week. The other guy. So, well, I was going to say, what if people don't have the privilege, the honor, the blessing to have Daniel Jones, whether on your real or fantasy team? What would you recommend then? The other guy that I'm looking at going forward, actually for a few weeks in a row, is Josh Allen and the Bills. He's only owned in 51% of uh, fantasy leagues right now. This week, he's going up against the Dolphins, and we know about the Dolphins' defense. Uh, they're number two in points allowed to quarterbacks in fantasy this year. Um, and then going forward, uh, he gets Philly, who whose secondary is just Swiss cheese, and then Washington. Um, those are his next three games. So Allen currently is fourth among quarterbacks in rushing. He's only played five games, so everyone else has played six. So 41 rushes, 158 yards, and three touchdowns. So that's about eight rushes and 31, 32 yards per game. Um, and he had, he always, ha- last year, I think he had like eight rushing touchdowns. It's not necessarily a very sticky stat because it's a little bit fluky. Um, but I think he just, ha- he brings that upside to, to kind of, you know, add a few yards to his bottom line with his rushing. His passing is actually improved slightly from last year as well. If you look at the numbers, 2018, he had 52% completion rate, 172 yards per game, 10 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, 6.5 yards per attempt and 67 rating. So far this year, his uh his completion rate is up to 62%, 10-point jump, 224 yards a game, which is a very good improvement. Uh, he's still prone to throw a few interceptions. He has five touchdowns, seven interceptions this year. His yards per attempt is up to 6.9, and his passer rating is up. It, it's not up very much, but 72, 75.2. So he's still developing clearly as a passer, um, but his ability to scramble is what makes him you know such a a good streaming option when you might not have very good options this coming next couple of weeks. He's got really good matchups. Still developing as a passer is the nicest thing anyone's ever said about Josh Allen. <laughs> Averaging passing. 8.2 yeah. rushes a game, second most amongst well, quarterbacks. This was a huge theme we talked about, and DK, you were hammering in the offseason that rushing quarterbacks are the, I think you kept saying, the cheat code in fantasy football for the simple reason that, I mean, the rules in fantasy football, I mean, if we can all pull behind the curtain rail now, pretty stupid that like <laughs> 400 rushing yards is. You know, that's 10 points for a running back and 100 passing yards is four points. It's um, perhaps worth revisiting. But until it happens, it's really cool to have quarterbacks who can rush for more yeah. yards, like more points when they I, get. I agree with that rule. I think that's, I, I, it's easier to throw yeah, sure you yards wrong about to a run lot for of, 10 yards. You're wrong about a lot of things. It's unsurprising. But until they change, until <laughs> the powers that be, the They're gatekeepers, who's they? I don't think anyone thought that the rushing stuff would be so prominent immediately this year. So. Dickie, what's about Lamar Jackson? Quarterback one is just yeah crushing. We just need to add yeah, we just need to add a little postscript to the the quarterback rushing talk because Lamar Jackson is just going off this year. He had 152 rushing yards in week six, which is actually the most of any player, not just quarterbacks. Um, he became one of just four quarterbacks in league history to rush for 150 plus yards, joining Michael Vick, Colin Kaepernick, and Rob uh, Tobin Rote, uh, who I. Do not know much. About. I was going to ask you, and by that I mean I don't know anything about Tobin Rote. Uh, do you guys know anything about Tobin Rote? That sounds like a really old player. 
Sounds like a country singer. Tobin wrote, <laughs> played from 1950 to 1966, obviously. <laughs> there we go. Led the league in, in um, passing, 1954 and 56. Uh, his picture on Wikipedia is a drawing. <laughs> <laughs> That it is. Okay, so for all intents and purposes, <laughs> Tobin he's wrote. one of three players joining Vic and Kaepernick. Um, I often think of he, Tobin wrote with Michael Vic and Colin Kaepernick. The, so, okay, getting back on track, <laughs> <Sorry>. fellas. <laughs> Lamar Jackson has an incredible, incredible floor as a rusher. As we saw last week, we saw the week before too, I think he had 70 yards to salvage what was a terrible passing game. But he's also been pretty good passing this season. Um, you know, his, his yards per attempt is up, his... Completion percentage is up, and he's just looked. He just looks a lot more comfortable as a passer. He's more accurate. He's more in rhythm. Um, he's gonna have like any second year quarterback his ups and downs, bad games there here and there. But his improvements and his development as a passer, combined with his incredible rushing floor, gives him just incredible ceiling. And that's why he is oh through six weeks the quarterback one. Um, considering he was an eighth round pick on average, hundred eighth or something ADP. Uh, that makes him like a league potential winner. You know, you're just getting such amazing value with him. So, and he was he was your guy. He was your quarterback this offseason coming into I, the preseason. Yeah, I have him in a lot of places, and I, I'm really yeah. It's really exciting to see him kind of develop as a pass too, because I just liked him as you know he's a good late round pick because of his floor, rushing floor. But then you know having him be a good passer this year has just been a cherry on the top. Also, I misspoke. He was my guy coming into the preseason, but that's okay. He was our guy. We shared him. <laughs> Uh, another thing I definitely won, Sleeper of the Week, where we're going to pick this is a, controversy. a skill player owned by 40% <laughs> or less on Yahoo and ESPN, uh, and we're going to pick them to outscore each other's players each week. And the first one last week, you know, you guys can have the most, you guys can have the streak, but you'll never have the first. Never forget <laughs> the first. Kiki Kuti brings it home for me with a whopping Barely. eight PPR points. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I I have the belt for sleeper of the week, and who do you guys want to cower um, in fear over next week while you lose? Okay, once so again? let me let me break in here real quick. There's some controversy because we I don't think we ever did discuss whether we were going half PPR or PPR. Craig votes half PPR for obvious reasons because because he, he would win won. if it was half PPR. He would have won if it was PPR half PPR. Dante Pettis went uh, had three catches, 45 yards, which would have been six half PPR points. Just barely it's edging out PPR's 5.9 half PPR. I chose Gerald Everett, and ultimately Jared Goff really ruined that. He had actually have, he had Everett wide open downfield late in the fourth quarter. What would have been a 54-yard touchdown, he just missed him, which just drives me insane. Thanks save, a lot, for, Goff. save it for your memoirs, DK. Look, the point here is, P- one, PPR is stupid. Two, no, we did not specify whether we were doing half or PPR, but everything else we talk about half the time is PPR. Why? What are you talking about? We really don't. DraftKings, Friday, PPR, DK, is famously an elitist who does not care <laughs> about 10-team leagues or anything other than full PPR. It's yep. very clear, established. 100%. It is at P- we, PPR. If you want to change the rules going forward, we can be open to it. This was a PPR contest. I'm 1-0. Let's just stick this week. I am picking <laughs> Anthony Miller and the Chicago Bears oh, receiver. Boy. The Bears are playing the Saints, which is a bad matchup. But Marshawn Lattimore, who is an excellent cornerback for New Orleans, will likely be plastered on Allen Robinson. Uh, Taylor Gabriel is the Bears' number two receiver, but he is re- still recovering from a concussion, even if he plays a bit of snaps are limited. 
The Bears are coming off of a bye. They've had Matt Nagy, who's a good coach, has two weeks to figure out a way to pass the ball in New Orleans. I like Robinson to get a decent amount of targets and yards here. I wouldn't expect wide receiver one numbers from him, but I just have to beat your guys, which isn't that hard. So (laughs) Anthony Miller, baby. It's like you just you don't have to be faster than a bear. You just have to be faster than your friends. Kind that of is exactly how this game works. <laughs> faster than your slowest friend. Faster than faster than Dante Pettis. That's the name of the game. Uh, Almost had brutal. a touchdown. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I know. He had one foot in. Oh, too. so close. We should just yeah. start that. We should start that fantasy league. Almost, almost, almost fantasy. The almost league. <laughs> yeah. If you have tar- just targets in the end zone, are worth like six. Will Fuller is just killing yeah, it right Will now. Fu- Oh my God! Yeah. yeah. Wow. Let's. We should. We should actually get on that. We'll mark that. We, we, we just put that out in the world, and now it's all like, the called back. All the called back tight. Uh, George Kittle's killing it. Right, right now. George Kittle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we got to We got to trademark that because wow, people are just going in that already. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm going with running back Chase Edmonds in the Cardinals this week. He's 34 percent owned on Yahoo. Uh, he, I like how he runs. He he looked really good in this last game. Um, he's looked actually pretty good in the last two games against the Bengals. He had eight, eight carries, 68 yards and a touchdown had three catches for 18 yards, uh, on Sunday against the Falcons. He rushed five times for 34 yards, added two catches for 33 yards and a touchdown. So he's had 17.6 points in PBR and then 14.7 points in PBR the last two weeks. One thing that does give me a little bit of pause on it on this is that he only played 20, 20 snaps last week to David Johnson's 52. That wasn't as big of a role. I think as we were hoping, especially because David Johnson's back was hurting. But, I mean, I think he's shown enough that the Cardinals could potentially try and get him involved a little bit more. Um, bottom line, even on those limited snaps, so he's done enough to, you know, really impress me. And this week they're going up against the Giants, who, Danny, tell us about the Giants defense. What Giants defense? <laughs> exactly. They've given up the 10th most fantasy points to running backs this year. Um you know, the the pickings are pretty slim when it comes to the guys owned 40% or less. That's why we did it. We have a high bar here, or well, yeah, a low so bar with a high bar. Pretty, you get it. Pretty slim pickings, but Edmonds, I like his potential just because he's, you know, added a little bit of juice to that offense. Craig, who's your guy? So this is PPR? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Side of that? All right. I'm going with old reliable Cole Beasley. <laughs> wow, that's a weird way to say you forfeit the competition. Oh, yeah. I don't think so. Cole Beasley's got. 26 catches in those last three three games, more than any of your guys. So uh, they're playing the <laughs> Dolphins, who are practically a college football team. And um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's just PPR gold. You can rely on Cole Beasley. He, he's the ultimate, oh, crap, I got a guy on by. Who do I play? Cole Beasley. Yeah, that's, when I think of gold, I think of crap, I got a guy on by. He's 15, Let me turn to my gold that I was saving for the guy owned. on by. He's 15% owned, and now that we're doing PPR, I'm excited for this week. Thank you. Goals. I like it personally. I mean, I, I'm, I think it's a good one. Josh Allen security Craig blanket. snaking his way into trying to score this half PPR and then also hedging on Leonard Fournette after he already he- hedging on his hedge for Leonard Fournette to bookend the show at start to finish. I will c- give Craig no credit. I, for I think Cole I Beasley. accurately assessed that game. He only ran for like sixty-seven yards or something like that. His passing game kind of lifted his floor, and he had fourteen points in half PPR. The point is, you hedge the hedge, <laughs> and the point is, you hedge the hedge. Gone fishing. Would you guys sell high or low on Stefan Diggs? Drop a line or use him as bait? Now would certainly be the time to do it. He had 43.5 PPR points this week, three touchdowns. He just went off against the Eagles. Um, but if you look at his point totals throughout the season, 5.7, 9.9, 4.5, 15.8, 7.4, and then boom, 43.5. I personally would look to sell high on him right now. I think he, 
you know, maybe this is a sign that the the Vikings offense has kind of hit its stride and it's going to do, you know, it's going to use those guys, him and Thielen in the passing game a little bit more. But I still think there's going to be fighting over targets. I still think it's going to be feast or famine a little bit for Diggs. I personally just will not feel super confident starting Diggs <laughs> week in and week out. Um and they're not going to be playing the Eagles every week. The Eagles defense, the Eagles secondary has been awful. It's October 14th so, yeah. on Thanksgiving. If you look back, and I think that this Vikings, this two-game stretch of the, them Thielen destroying the Giants and then Diggs destroying the Eagles will say far more about the Giants and the Eagles' depth in the secondary than it says anything about Minnesota. Yeah, They were still competent against the Bears when they played poorly, and they are competent against the Giants and the Eagles. Um they're still competent at best, but like not much better than that. And this passing game, the Eagles cornerback depth of like Sidney Jones, Ronald Darby was hurt, Avante Matt, like these aren't, this is the same story. It's been Eagles fans are just like tired of this because it's been three years of this. They have no cornerback depth and the Giants have little depth. The Vikings are going to have much tougher sledding. Um, yeah. I don't think Diggs going to be like this going forward. So the only thing that it gives me a little bit of pause in recommending to sell him right now is that he could still be traded. I, it doesn't look like he's necessarily going to get traded. That is a very good point. It doesn't look like he's going to be traded in real life football. Well, to get um, meta, but, like it's the same thing in real life, isn't it? Like the, in a way, the, Viking, uh, the Vikings front office has to decide if he's a front sell high too because the NFL yeah. trade deadline is is uh, two weeks. It's like Tuesday, October 29th. Is that 29th? I don't know. I'm bad with dates. It's two Tuesdays. If he does end up getting traded... That would like to say say he gets traded to the Patriots. That was like a rumor or whatever. You're gonna really probably really regret trading him in fantasy if that's the case. So that's something you just have to balance. It doesn't really look like he's gonna get traded. Uh, it looks like he's gonna be stuck on this Vikings team, Vikings pass offense, which I think is gonna be volatile week to week. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause. Well, we can pause it right there. Beautiful. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you to everyone for listening. <laughs> Go Anthony Miller, the Bears. Down with Cole Beasley. We will see you guys later this week. Pepsi takes all NFL celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown, a defensive stop on the goal line, or a Super Bowl win, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. I'll be cracking open a Pepsi when Anthony Miller outscores Cole Beasley this week, which is a gimme. And Craig and I will also be cracking open Pepsis together when we go 5-1 and one in the Ringer Fantasy Football League tonight. And if not, maybe we'll console ourselves. Either way, we'll be doing it with Pepsi. Pepsi, the official sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating.